Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode this week of the New American Media Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. His name is Krut Patel. He is out of Greenville, South Carolina. Now, this man makes me feel like I don't work hard enough. He is still in his 20s. He started and grown probably five to six different companies. True entrepreneur, hard worker, family guy. There's so much that I learned from him every time I talk to him, whether it's in real estate, in his other businesses. We kind of come from a similar cloth. Uh, Both of our families were in the gas station business. His is still in the gas station business. And so when I met him a couple years ago, we hit it off really well. And we've been friends ever since. So without any further ado, my man, Krut Patel. Hey, everybody. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you for finally be, uh, doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, I think this was I, our, our sixth in uh, scheduled podcast uh, that we're finally <laughs> finally recording. <laughs> I know. I know. We've both been busy. You extremely busy. Me as well. But I'm glad we were able to do this. I want to kind of start right off and ask you, um, you've had all of this success at a very early age. Um, When did you know growing up as a kid that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and not go work for another company, whether it was in banking or finance, tech? Um, or any other industry, um, healthcare, and uh, kind of your story of how you grew up and what was that switch? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, it was it was kind of early high school where I really started understanding that, you know, uh, I, I'm seeing all these people that have these jobs that I'm looking at, right? I was always told, what do I want to be? So I started saying, all right, what, what are these people doing? And that's when I really realized it's like, I don't want to be doing what any of these people are doing at their age. And, uh, and that's really what, at that time, I didn't know that entrepreneurship is really what that was called, but I would always just tell myself, it's like, I'm not going to end up working for somebody, uh, when I'm out of college, you know? So that was, uh, that was a big thing for me. Um, you know, kind of figuring out where I wanted to go. Um, and you know, and still at that time, you know, it was, uh, being an immigrant was still a big thing, right? You have that pressure of, of having a good education and getting a really high paying job. Um, and so for me, I'm, you know, it was, it was a tough time kind of being a black sheep in my thought process of, you know, I don't want to be a doctor, but I want to be a guy that, that kind of has a doctor on a salary and I run the business, you know? And so that, that was, uh, I love that. Right. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. You know, that, that was, that was always the thought process for me is, uh, is, is, I don't want to be the guy that's that's serving someone else's dream, and so it was different uh, trying to convince my family to to believe in that vision as well. You know that they were big believers. My dad still to this day, if you ask him, his biggest regret would be that his son didn't go to Harvard University, right? So that that was a that that, that was a big thing for them, um, and so I mean, you know they're very supportive and they're they're very happy of where we're at today. But uh, 
but no, it was uh, that cultural norm was definitely something that we we had to break out of. Um, and so, you know, in that sense, I guess I'm, I'm very jealous of you, you know, that educated man with a with a good job and a good side hustle. You know, that's that's the that's the Indian dream. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. So tell me um, you're in high school and I'm guessing at this time you're applying to colleges and um, you end up going to the University of South Carolina, Columbia. Um Tell me a little bit about your college experience, how that was, and how that shaped you into the person you are today. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for me, high school, I knew I needed to get out of it. So, sophomore year, I still vividly remember sitting down with my principal and saying, hey, I have all the credits I need to graduate. Can I just graduate and go to college? And, and he's, I still remember his response to this day. He said, Prue, I've never let a kid graduate sophomore year, and the first kid is not going to be you in my books. So he made me come back a third year, and so I graduated as a junior, um, and I got into the international business program at the University of South Carolina. Um, so I got in, and you know, I was pretty excited because finally I, I thought I was going to learn uh, something about this world that I want to get into. Uh, but I still remember the first year as an international business student, the only business class that I had was business law. And that was the only reason I was walking into the business school. And so that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I went through that semester thinking, you know, hey, the next semester, there'll be something better. And then uh, the semester after I had one more business opportunity as a class, it was business 101, um, international business 101. Yeah. So, you know, after that, I just said, look, man, uh, there's no way that someone sitting here teaching a, a university class has the secrets and the keys to the success. So um, it was around that time with, uh, you know, a little bit of the personal stuff when my dad getting sick and, and, uh, and me needing to kind of move back closer to home to be able to kind of help the family, you know, that it, it couldn't have been a perfect timing for me to be able to have that excuse to step away um, from school and kind of get thrown into the business world. Um, so college was different. I mean, you know, that the one year that I actually had a traditional university experience, um, it, it wasn't the greatest, but I, I never fully stopped. Right. I, I still kept going. I, I shifted gears and I went more towards computer science. So I, I, uh, I started getting my associates in the computer science world, learn how to code, uh, CSS, JavaScript, HTML, um, and, and, you know, acquired that skill set. I feel like that was that was very neat for me because I at least got a new skill that I didn't know before. Um, no, that's great. I wish I knew how to code. Yeah. No, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a genius coder, but I can look at basic website codes and, and be able to tell you, you know, uh, where something went wrong. So that, that was, that was interesting for me, but, uh, but yeah, that, um, you know, as a business entrepreneur now going back, I don't think, I don't think traditional university is, is the key. I think there needs to be some sort of a, a blended program where it's a, hey, you're, you're on field, you have real world experience, as well as some management experience in teaching that. I think that is, is going to make people uh, very successful. Um, but, you know, that, that, again, that, that's kind of my, my take on that education piece. No, I agree with you 100%. I was kind of the opposite of you. I was in college for five years, but um, I took two of those semesters off. One, like you said, was to help my parents, um, and the other as well 
when my brother was involved in a major car accident helping my parents. Um, I really think what you learn in college is how to get along with a group of people that are not like yourself. Correct. And how to interact with them, how to work in groups, and those kinds of things. Um, I really didn't learn anything in college. I couldn't tell you what I learned in college because I don't feel like I learned anything. <laughs> um, but the biggest thing that I took away from it were the friendships that I made that will last a lifetime. Correct. What, um, as you were doing this and moving back because of your father's illness, what kind of hurdles did you see in the business and kind of first talk about the business from when you came into it, what you brought to it and where it is today? Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I joined the business, uh, my dad at the time had established a pretty successful retail chain of convenience stores. Um, uh, I believe we were on, uh, 12 number. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had about a dozen and we'd also, we were jobbers. So he'd established a, a wholesale business that supplied fuel kind of throughout the East coast to different, uh, chains similar to himself, obviously our own chains and, and other sub jobbers. Um, and, uh, we had just got into just normal wholesale businesses with the general merchandise. And so when I got in, you know, my dad was still working, he carried around a suitcase of books. And so every transaction that ever happened was all handwritten down on a book. And so to reconcile, I had to read like I mean, magnifying glass on a book and read each line for, for a day. Cause I mean, you know, we'd, we'd have 10, 12 transactions a day, each transactions anywhere from 30 to, you know, 30 to 40,000 bucks. So, I mean, it was a lot. So the, the, the first thing I brought in was kind of the technology piece, right? So, Hey dad, this is an Excel spreadsheet. This is how I can set up a formula to where everything's very easy. We can forecast it on here. And so, you know, that, that, that kind of piece I brought in and I, I made it everything a lot more efficient for him uh, to where he's not, he can work from anywhere rather than having to work from his home office. So that piece was very, very good. Um, obviously it helped me more than him when I got in, but I was able to leave and say, here you go, dad, this is, you know, this is your new SOPs. That, that was, that was awesome. Um, and then the other piece, obviously, you know, how our parents talk, man, it's, it's very difficult being able to conversate with our parents. So whenever I started talking to our vendors and being able to understand like the different programs that the vendors had just on the fuel side, uh, it was just the language barrier that, you know, these deals were amazing, but because my dad couldn't understand it and because they couldn't understand the questions my dad was asking, they would just always drop it, right? So we would never explore, you know, how can I go out there and get these supply agreements? How can I go get, you know, guaranteed price contracts and, you know, lock in our supply with different, you know, it was just uh, different things. And it was, I mean, honestly, it was, that was the part that I enjoyed because I'm, I'm going and having these free lunches, these free baseball games. And the entire time, these vendors are showing me ways that I can make more money for my family. So I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, I can, I can get with this program, you know? And so, I love that, that the first thing you did was the Excel spreadsheet. My dad, the exact same way, bro. Yeah. Like, write everything in a book. Yep. Like, it's like 1975 or 85, <laughs> you know? And and this was 2005 at that time. Yeah. And um, well, that's it's amazing. Well, for my dad. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. 
Yeah. That's the first thing I introduced as well was Excel. Yeah. Like Excel is amazing, you know? Yeah. Excel is powerful tool, man, for everybody, right? So, and, and you know, there, there were more things that we started to implement as we, as I started to understand the business and kind of how it flew, uh, how the processes worked, you know, we, we started to get a little bit more efficient with our flows and, and kind of how we operated it. So that helped a lot. But then it was important for me because I got to understand the ins and outs and kind of how our business was you know, the fundamentals to our business and kind of why it was the way it was and why it was successful. Um, and so, you know, or very, very quickly after that, we started expanding. Once my dad's health got better, you know, we started finding new sites, building new stores. So uh, after that, I, I, I'd helped build a store in Charleston. It took me two years to get permits. And at the time I was 20 years old. I still remember very vividly going into Charleston City Council meetings and then talking to this architect review design board and getting them to approve it. And it was it was the coolest moment because I got this project and this vision approved. And then still to this day, if you build a gas station in the city of Charleston, the city officials will require you to go to my site and look at it and see how I designed it and make you implement those types of design features in their own sites. So, you know, it, it was a cool thing for me because it was we amazing. Yeah. So. You know that I, I think that's where that's where I really kind of found my passion for real estate in general, and being able to say, "Hey, this is raw land, but we're going to turn it into this," and working with the people to make that happen. Um, that was that was a real blessing. So you know, so we took our our business from being a mom and pop operations that that was very successful, you know, by its accord, but making it way more efficient without changing anything fundamentally, right? Keeping the same business, but you know, changing the little things and. You know, that, that affected the bottom line quite a bit. So that, that was fantastic. And that allowed us to grow a little bit more rapidly as well. Um, and so from there, we kind of grew, you know, our supply business grew uh, greatly. Uh, our, our gas station business, you know, we've now got 18 sites um, and we are building another six here in the upstate. Uh, we've already got the property and we're working on permits. Um, so that was fantastic. But then, you know, uh, that, that kind of evolved into this, real estate um, company of a real estate development company known as divine group today, because it got to the point where, you know, we're looking at just to get a commercial corner, you know, we have to look at a large piece of property, 20 acres, because it had the corner attached to it and the family didn't want to subdivide. And we were seeing that across the board. So uh, it forced us to kind of change our, our MO and kind of what we did development wise. So I love that. That's what I tell a lot of people. Everyone thinks that, you know, me or you, we're in the gas station business, but the most money I ever made was on a gas station site that we actually never operated. I bought out of bank foreclosure for like 250000 We put about 100000 worth of work into it, and then I sold it for 600000 yep. Without working a day, made three hundred grand in like... <laughs> nine or 12 months. I can't remember. Yep. And I was like, light bulb went off in my head, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, the reason being is it's so difficult right now to get that a convenience store to that stage, right? It's very easy for someone to come in and operate a, an existing operating store, but getting it from ground up to that position. Yes. There, there's a great value to, to doing that. So yeah, I mean, yeah, people think that we're just in the convenience store business, uh, but you know, it's uh when you look at the numbers and, and if you're doing it right, you know, some of these like QT or Sphinx, like some of these national chains, 
I mean, the, the real estate value that they create is tremendous. You know, I mean, you're talking about a, a six, seven, eight million dollar asset. You know, that, that you're talking hotel numbers in some situations. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I know you even during all of this process started your own LED company as well. That yeah. kind of blew my mind. So you're doing the real estate development, the gas stations, the jobbership, growing all of this and the wholesale business. And you still have time on top of all of that to start an LED light company manufacturing directly from China. Yeah. So tell me how this came about and how you brought this company into your fold. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was uh, during the Charleston site, actually, where we were starting to start uh, to bid out our, our, our individual components of the piece. And when we got to the lighting piece, my electrician sold me, you know, hey, crew, here's the, the total invoice. It was a, a, an astronomical amount of, you know, almost $80,000. But he said, oh, don't worry. Uh, the energy company is going to take care of almost 65,000. You're only responsible for this 15 grand. And I was like, hold up. You're telling me that someone out here is paying you, you know, over 70% of this invoice just because you're installing these lights. And he's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's an incentive program. You should look into it. You know, the LED lights. So light bulb went off. I was like, all right, well, I know in my, I know for a fact that I can go get these light bulbs for, way less than what this guy is charging on this invoice. So, you know, I started talking to a few people, making a few phone calls. At that time, Alibaba was starting to become a thing. So I kind of knew China was the place to be. I didn't know what to do. Um, but, you know, eventually through our networks, I found that we had a family friend that was actually an agent in China, which means that they are on the ground people that work for people like me that don't live there, but they are your eyes, ears, and your quality check. Uh, for your factory. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I got introduced to them and I said, Hey man, you know, let's just, let's gamble a little bit. Here's a $20,000 order. These are light bulbs that can work inside of these convenience stores, Duke energy at the time, you know, cooler, like, you know, the cooler doors. Uh, if you put in the cooler lights, there's like six foot, eight foot cooler lights, you know, Duke energy was giving 75 bucks a light and it was costing me $12 to get it in China. So I was like, you know what, ship me, you know, ship me 2000 of them. I'll give it a shot. And I got it. I, I installed it. I applied for the rebates and Duke Energy cuts me a check like six weeks later. And I'm, Whoa. yeah, I'm, 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 right crazy. I'm like, all right, man, what? So I go down the entire list of all the light bulbs that they give money for. And I start going to China and finding a manufacturing partner that can help me make it the way I want it. Um, with my brand, we got it approved uh, at the time. The authorities were UL and DLC. As long as that those authorities gave me approvals on my light bulbs, we have to get it rigorously tested. I mean, we have to have water flowing through it for like five days nonstop. I mean, crazy stuff. But if it gets approved, then now these energy companies can cut my light bulbs checks to install. And so long story short, I mean, two years into it, you know, now I'm I'm bonded with customs agency. We do we did about 12 containers that year at, on my peak. Um, that wow. you know equates to, I mean, I can uh, several hundred thousand light bulbs. And, and you know, when those containers arrive, it's it was literally me and my cousins. Like they, the trucking company would call me like 30 minutes away, and it'd be I'd always schedule it on a Saturday. So all my cousins would come over that morning. We'd be in basketball shorts and a t-shirt, and it's like an assembly line. Because we have two hours to unload that container 
or else they start charging us a Denver's charge or like a week fee of 250 bucks an hour. So like, no way. Yeah, man. So, you know, it was, it I will was, respect the hustle right there. <laughs> you didn't hire anybody. You just get all the family no. on board. It's all family. I didn't pay a dollar ever to unload ever, any one of those containers ever. And, and, you know, and that's, that's huge. Like to be able to say that, uh, and have the family that supports me. And, you know, those guys now, you know, uh, those guys are driving in $150,000 sports cars and, and they're, they're, they're living their dream too, you know? So that the hustle pays off, you know, if you cannot, you can't always be after the money. You have to be after doing the right thing. And the money just kind of is a side, side product. That's, that's no, I love that. You just really saw a gap in the market. You saw government subsidies created a multi-million dollar business overnight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there was a big void in that. Like, where do, where do people like you and I go? If you have a convenience store, I mean, it wasn't like just a money thing for me. It was actually an investment that helped convenience store owners. Like, let's say if you had a convenience store and you actually retrofitted all your lights with led, your light bill would actually go down so much that even if you had to pay for it out of pocket after a year and eight months of you having to pay that reduced light bill, your, your, Money out of pockets already back, returned to you. A hundred percent, because our canopy lights are on at least 20 hours a day. Yeah, and you're talking 2,000-watt halogens. Uh, as yeah. a, so now it's a 200-watt LED light, you know? Um, so exactly. the energy consumption goes down drastically. And your halogen bulbs you used to replace every three to seven years. Now I have a 10-year warranty. If anything goes wrong, you call me, I'll replace it. You know, so it's a big difference in the market and it really was a huge benefit to the business businesses. And I saw that where it's like, dude, the business is going to benefit. I'm getting paid by the government. There's really a no loss here. All I have to do is, you know, make sure I have the money to keep getting inventory and everything else will flow. Um, and it ended up being where before I would have to get it, get approved by the Duke Energy or any of the energy companies. But it ended up being where I, we were doing so much that we, we became midstream vendors where it got to the point where in our prime, or even now today, we just submit addresses of where we're doing the work and the money hits my bank account the next day. I don't even have wow. to. Wow. Yeah. So you, I mean, you've got that kind of relationship with Duke Energy. Correct, yeah. There was a, and I still remember those were the best moments of my life. I, we, in 2016 Q1, we were the number one midstream vendors in their entire portfolio. We did $700,000 in just rebate work for Duke Energy. And and many of you don't know this, but Duke Energy is the largest utility on the East Coast. Yes. Largest. Yeah. So, you know, we, we definitely stayed busy. That's amazing, <laughs> man. That is amazing. Yeah. So, you know, so I definitely, you know, I, having – I have a passion of, of building something that – has a benefit, a true benefit for everyone involved. That that's definitely something that I like to do. Um, and you know, for me again, money is always a side factor in those situations. Uh, I never look at the bottom line. The bottom line will always be great if everybody's making a win in it. You know. Um, yeah. If you're selling a good product or giving a good service, at the end of the day, the money will flow. That's correct. what you want to focus on. Correct. I love that ethos. That's awesome. Yeah. So we try, you know, um, and, and that's kind of always been our focus, right? So like even even today uh, in in the real estate side, whenever we got in the development space, you know, we found that on the vendors, like the, the practices were so dated, like from the brokers to the surveyors to the engineers, you know, even to the architects. I mean, we have a really good 
architect friend in, in, in Milan that we're able to bring some of like the newest technology in our developments. But, you know, if you look at the traditional architects that are out there, you know, people are still in that old mindset where it's just like, let's just keep rinsing and repeating. Let's not get innovative on, and have to actually use our muscle memory here and, and do some work. Right. And that 100 percent. That really got us, man. So that the first thing the we wor- the worst business in that is surveying. I cannot find a good surveyor in the whole state of North Carolina. They all suck. <laughs> I'm just telling you that right now. Well, kids, if to- any of you want to become a surveyor, I will hire you and bring you on. Well, I'll do you one better. I, I, we will hire you and we will certify you. And then once you're certified, we'll send you to Greg. So, you know, so, you know, we started a surveying company. I, I founded one last, last year. Eh, actually, it's not that old. Uh, January of this year. Um, and we finally brought in a licensed surveyor on board, uh, Daniel Bonenfant. Um, he's our land surveyor. Then we have Garrison Wilson and we have the crew chief. So we, we have a fully uh, staffed surveying company now. And you'd be surprised once people find out the technology that we use in our surveying uh, world, we are so much more accurate than even the oldest surveyors in the market today that like projects, like developers can actually save hundreds of thousands of dollars just getting better, better data from us than what they're getting right now in the marketplace. And wow. happening. so, you know, there's big developers now that are in the marketplace that are actually hiring our surveying company to do the work. And they're having us do it on a contracted basis where, it, I mean, it's a blanket contract. You know, every week we have to go out there and fly their sites because it's cheaper for my guy to go out there and fly the site every week and for us to give them a report as to where the dirt was moved, how much was moved. You know, they, they have a detailed report on, in their hand within an hour of us flying it. Um, and otherwise would have cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars of just moving things around and mistakes, you know? And so using the technology that's out there and and it's no different. I mean, this technology is the same technology that the surveyor is using to do their boundary work, their topography work, same, same technology. Uh, we're just using that data and interpolating it a different way. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so tell us then we did jump ahead a little bit on the surveying (laughs) thing. Um, Tell me how you ended up starting Divine Group. I personally met you, I think, two years ago now, a year and a half ago. Yeah. And we've instantly clicked, become good friends. Um, I love just talking to you because I think the way you think and the way you look at things is very unique. It's similar to the way I do at certain times, but even more to the next level. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about how you started Divine Group, when you did that, and um, a little bit more about it. Yeah, so um, Divine Group was uh, was was a, a really uh, a, a business that I, I was searching for for a very long time that I finally was able to conceptualize and put in. So I, I realized that it was time. I just finished building our new convenience store here in Greenville, uh, 4,500 square feet, latest, you know, uh, very contemporary modern store. Um, and we'd received so much uh, praise from the community that we we just decided, you know, market's good. We're going to go ahead and expand and, and go ahead and do a, a four site a year expansion plan for the next five years, you know, and go ahead and attack the upstate. So my dad and I sat down and said, all right, this is kind of our budget. This is our target uh, marketplace. This is what we want to do. 
we rolled out with the plan and I started identifying different sites that we wanted to buy. And one of those sites that we really wanted to start off with was a, was a 10 acre site and, or excuse me, it was a seven and a half acre site. And the lady was not willing to subdivide and she wasn't willing to budge on numbers at all. I mean, she wanted a million bucks for it and she was very adamant for that million. And for us, you know, being as we want to expand, we have this first site you know, we're used to paying three, four, five hundred thousand dollars for our sites. You know, a million dollars a site was a bigger pill to swallow. That's a lot. Yes. Yeah. In a convenience store world, as a, as a smaller operations, yes, it's a big number. Um, so uh, we sat down and my dad, I, I told my dad, it's like, look, man, if we're going to do an expansion, we have to start with this. Like I just I knew the market. I was very passionate about that location. Uh, I mean, there's sixteen hundred homes being built in a three hundred and sixty degree uh, vicinity uh, within a tenth of a mile, not even far. I mean, you know, all around it. So we said, no, look, let's sit down. So then I, I started talking to my contractor saying, hey, what can we do here? And he said, you know what, Kurt? honestly, buy up the rest of this and let me grade it and get this ready. And we'll just sell this to Dan Ryan Builders. Like I know her, I'll call her, she'll get you a contract. She'll probably pay you, you know, $60,000, $70,000 a lot. You'll get it sold. No problem. I said, all right, uh, this makes sense. If you can do it for this, we can sell it for this. It's a business. Let's go. Yeah, 100%. You know, so we went around this path and she came out and I mean, you know, I had this multi-billion dollar company just offer me a very legitimate contract that even my attorney was group. Yeah, if you perform, this is what she'll pay you at the end. This is how it's structured. This is all the work you have to do. These are the people that will do it and go about it. So then that opened my eyes and I said, wow, this, I mean, you know, if I'm throwing numbers out there, I mean, if you're telling me I can put 3 million into something and someone's going to pay me seven and it's guaranteed, you know, or yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. I, I'm very interested. Yeah. You know, let's, let's keep going about this. So Fuck yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. We're interested. Yeah. So we started acquiring the neighboring pieces, put it all together, got the entitlements in with the County, put it, you know, uh, got it all hundred percent ready and got it under contract. Now we were working on the development. So I got that going. And then in the meantime, one of my friends, family friends comes in and like, Kurt, we just saw you do this. I have a similar project. I need your help selling it. That's all right. Cool. You know, I, I just got out of this deal. I can, I can probably help you sell yours. Yeah. And tell so me, tell me how, how much money you made on that first deal, if you don't mind. <laughs> so the first deal that we actually closed, uh, I actually only made 50 grand. And so oh, that, wow. that's this deal. So we, I just got under contract on this with the development side and then my family friend brings in an actual deal and he, he has everything, all the permits lined up and he's like, crude, I don't want to develop it. I just want to sell it. I got to get out of it. I need my money. I'm out. So he was stuck about 300 grand. He stood to make about a million and brought it to me. So in this world, I'd started to get introduced to different people. And so I, that deal, I brought it. And I got introduced to a built to rent marketplace, which is kind of where I started to go now. And so that uh, that I acted as a broker in that and just put the people together. And and really what helped me and guys, this you got to look through all the email threads perfectly. Right. So in that closing statement, the closing attorney emailed us with all the information, the closing, the closing statement, a but then the buyer information, all their email addresses and then also every party involved in the center. So after the deal got done, I got the 50,000 bucks wired. I was like, all right, cool. This is fantastic. I had already did everything that this man had already done in this project. So we'd already identified other sites, had the entitlements lined up. And I said, all right, well, I can do this now. So 
I put together a deal and I contacted them two weeks later and I said, Hey guys, I have a deal. Let's go. Let's go. And immediately it was under contract that, that, that second deal with them was about a million two in, in net profits. And so, nice, nice. so, you know, I, I learned very quickly on what I needed to do to, to make it work. Right. And so now, you know, this year so far, we've sold about 7,500 lots. Um, we, Gross sales on that is about $20 million. Um, and then we're still contracted for another $12.5 million in sales for this year. Um, and then we have contracts for another uh, 3,500 units equivalent to about $48 million for next year. Amazing. And this is all in the span of how many years? Uh, since we last met. So I'd say about two years. Wow. So in two years, you've scaled this company to a little over this year, you'll probably do over 50 million in revenue. Yep. Gross revenue across all the divine group assets. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's definitely, um, it's definitely big and we're definitely blessed to, to be able to be in this position. Um, uh, but uh, it, I'm very blessed to have a team that, that helps me keep it all organized as well. Um, and, that, and that was the other biggest part coming into this company and kind of what I've learned is being able to kind of have that trust in the team, right? Because growing up, I'd always seen my dad. I mean, for me, this is fantastic, the company that I have built. But, you know, my dad single-handedly still runs, in a, you know, north of $100 million a year operations by himself. And, you know, right. seeing that and that for me, I still have bigger shoes to fill in. Like I don't work hard enough, you know, like the fact that I have an admin assistant, the fact that I have two project managers, like that's more than my dad ever had and still has in, in his fold. Right. So um, that was the biggest part. And I think that that's kind of what helped us or helped me scale so quickly was having that help, um, having the, the team that is able to take on the responsibilities and do it efficiently and effectively um, and representing me, even though I'm not there. Uh, I think that that was the biggest thing that helped me get to this point for sure. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me, you've had this tremendous success in everything that you've done. Has there been really any setbacks, hardships, failures that you've had and kind of uh, what you've learned from them and how you've changed the way you work or anything, you know, even the way you live personal or business setbacks? Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, every business that I've done, um, although they look great now, I've always had some sort of a, a setback in it. Right. So, um, you know, story time, I guess, but so the, for the first company, LED company, you know, uh, I, I'd gone in there and, and I had actually originally, when I started it, I'd actually partnered with, with somebody who would, been that agent for me uh, and got me products who had actually lived stateside, but was the relative of the agent. But long story short, we partnered had a business plan, ordered all these lights. We did, you know, I got the first order in, ordered the next batch. And the next batch that came in, he actually packed all of it in his car and said, hey, crew, I'm going to go to New York and sell these. I'll be back in a week and I'll cut, you know, we'll get the money and we'll reorder. I said, okay. That week turned into two months. Never saw him again. So oh my God. Jeez. In inventory. Again, this is all 20. This is all $50,000 I've ever grossed in my life. I put into this inventory and it's gone. So this man took all the money and disappeared. Um, so, you know, uh, that was definitely 
an interesting experience having to overcome at 20, right? Is like, hey, this is the first business. Uh, you know, I just had this twenty a fifty thousand dollar loss. Like, how do I how do I come around it? So you know, doubled down, bought more inventory, paid, sold it off, paid off the debt, bought more inventory, sold it off, rolled it, kept going, right? So, um, it, you know, every business has a setback, um, and every lesson, every business I've ever been in, there's always been a different lesson, right? I think that lesson was one that taught me very early on. Don't have business partnerships. I, I don't very easily open up to people. And I think you've seen that, uh, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Business wise, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of me. Um, and I, you know, if I lose money on my own accord, that's, I, I can live with that. If I lost someone else's money, um, I don't think I could live with that. Right. So we keep that kind of very close. Uh, it's me and my dad, we fund the whole thing, you know, and, and it's our risk. Um, so that, that was that lesson for me. Um, and then, you know, after that, I found another uh, you know, manufacturing company that, that we did like packaging stuff for, for different products. And, and in that, you know, we'd ordered about $150,000 in raw materials that got stuck up in, you know, just, just logistically, you know, we just put it on a pallet. I personally put it on a pallet, put it on a truck and it never showed up in our warehouse. And so we had to fight that for about six months, fighting with insurance, trying to get money out of them, fighting with oh, the wow. company, trying to fight fight that. And, you know, this company, we just got to the point where we, you know, we were doing good. I mean, we were doing about half a million dollars a month, and we just saved up this money to go buy a large purchase bulk material. And, uh, and so, you know, the same scenario, we put all of our money into this and face the setback. Well, you know, eventually we got the raw materials back, but the raw materials were all ruined and, you know, we're still kind of going through that. Um, so that, that was a huge setback that we faced there. But, you know, again, we doubled down, we, we changed our business plan, we got more products, we sold it, and then now we're paying back our debts to to that offset that loss, right? Um, so, we're, you know, it's always, always something. On the real estate side, I'm sure I, I've made countless mistakes um, with with just who we partner with engineering side, um, real estate properties that we bought. I mean, you know, there, there have been deals that I've done in a haste where uh, that looked good at the time. But afterwards, it, we kind of realized, may, hey, they, maybe this isn't so great. Um, but, you know, at the end, it's always worked out. Uh, I think I, uh, I've been blessed and I have somebody overlooking me and there's always a way out for me. So I, I've. I'm definitely lucky on that side. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Crute, if you have, you guys ever get to meet him, is a very modest person. I'm not going to throw a number out there, but let's say it was a multi-seven-figure number, <laughs> and he bought some great toys from that number. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I got to uh, I got to go out and and live out my childhood dream. After that was for sure. <laughs> no, no, it was it was awesome. I think what you did was amazing. It's really a great case study for wholesaling land and how to entitle, develop, and flip land. Um, one day, I think you're going to teach a course on it and maybe sell that too. But <laughs> we'll talk about that at some point. Oh, man. I... I always tell everyone my education's free. If you have the patience to sit down and listen to me talk, I will teach you everything there is to know. <laughs> nice, nice. So kind, so kind. So tell me, here's another question. What is one thing that you would tell your younger self about you? Uh, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, 
I think I would tell myself to stop focusing on the materialistic things at that time. I think at that time, my, my energy could have been really well spent in building myself and and focusing on what I wanted to develop the skill set wise rather than because when you're younger, you can learn a lot faster and you're able to pick up on things. And as you get through life, you, you become better at those skills. So if I had anything to change, I would say stop focusing on the cars and the watches and start focusing on the skills because the cars and watches will come anyways. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Are you yeah. wearing any cool watch today? Uh, uh, let me, I have my Rolex on today. Yeah. <laughs> not, not nice. the one. Yeah, it's a Rolex Daytona. I was, I was hoping you were wearing the paddock. <laughs> no, I don't have a paddock yet. I have a, I have an Audemars Piguet, but I don't have that. That's a, right. The AP. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that was one of my favorite pieces. I have a rule. Every time I close a piece, I, I will go buy buy a watch. So anytime it's real estate, I, I, I treat myself with a little something. No, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you for spending your time here with us today. Thank you. I for really appreciate it. We had a, I had a great time talking to you. Thank you for having me today. It was uh, good being able to catch up with an old friend and, and, and talk some, talk some life's life stories. <laughs> and and we're definitely 100% doing a deal together. Oh, man. You just let me know when you're ready. You have to for it. <laughs> we'll probably do that Lexington deal. So I'll That's talk right. to you about it. That's right. That's right. Small world, right? Now uh, helping helping a friend of yours uh, get some stuff to, uh, entitled. So excited. No, that works. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you. Um, great to have you on. And take care, boss. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Greg. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Krut Patel showing you kind of a jack of all trades and really coming from the C-Store industry like myself and going into real estate development at 29 years old. He has built a company today, the Divine Group a real estate development company in just two years that will do over 50 million in revenue this year, guys. So it can be done. It can be scaled all through starting wholesaling and understanding land and real estate development. It's amazing what he's done. I love talking to him. I hope you were informed. I learned a lot today. and. Check out next week's episode. Thank you, everyone. And again, don't forget to like and subscribe.